Well, a father took his small son to town to do some errands and uh, keep mum happy. And lunch arrived, and uh, they, they, lunchtime arrived, and they decided that they would go to a cafe and they'd get a sandwich together. But the cafe was really busy. So the two of them uh, went in, and the father saw that there was a stall up to a counter. He got on a stall and he lifted his son up onto the stall and they ordered their lunch. And they thought while they were waiting, they will say a prayer. And the father said, son, we'll just have to make it a silent prayer today. Now, dad got through his praying first, and he awaited the boy to finish his prayer. But he just sat with his head bound, and it took an unusually long time. And when he finally looked up, his father asked him, what in the world were you praying about for all that time? And with the innocence and honesty of a child, he replied, how do I know? It was a silent prayer. <laughs> well, Daffodil Day is a great day for folk to gather together from all over the country to come and to sing our hymns, to have readings and to be blessed together. But I want to talk about something which is deeply personal. It's between me and the Lord, it's between you and the Lord. I guess that little boy in the cafe isn't alone. Many Christians find it very difficult to cope with silent prayer, thinking that words must fill every moment in God's presence, especially words spoken aloud. I sometimes go to prayer meetings, it can be with other Christians, it can be with church leaders as well, and sometimes it appears that people don't do silence, they can't cope with it, and if they don't pray aloud, or if you don't pray aloud, they think you're sleeping or something. They think you're not spiritually alive. They think perhaps you're not on fire. Possibly worried about my soul on some occasions. But the temptation is, whenever we pray, is to bombard God with ideas and thoughts and requests. A machine gun of prayer. As we tell him exactly how we're feeling. But we never wait to listen. He knows how we are thinking, but do we know how he is thinking? What he's calling us to do and to be? Of course, it's very biblical to bring our concerns to the Lord, and it's been echoed in our service here. We do need to do that. It's in the Bible. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And according to John Wesley, God does nothing except in answer to prayer. But I want to suggest, and Steve's already hinted at this already, that mature, life-changing prayer is more than asking. Yes, it's having the confidence to ask our Father, but it's also having the confidence to listen to be yourself before God and to know that he loves you. To know that if he hasn't answered your prayer, it may be that the answer is no or not yet. Could it be that we're missing something 
in our prayers together. I'd like to suggest that we try to remember the R factor. It's Tony Miles's R factor to remember today. The first thing is R for relationship. Essentially, prayer is relational. It's an encounter with the living God, a conversation with the divine, if you like. But we so easily switch into prayer mode without really first acknowledging God's presence with us. I loved it that Sardia said she started by thanking God. Prayer is so often a one-way communication, but we need first to listen. To not seek to bend God's will to ours all the time, but actually be open to be bent towards God's will. My granddaughter, Sienna, is just two. She's wonderful, but I would say that. And uh, she's in LA with her mum and her dad, and we get photos sent, and we speak on Skype, and we hear the news. But there's nothing, nothing like being in her presence. There's nothing like holding her and getting to know her. We can't afford it, but we make it a priority to go to be with her. What about you and the Lord? Do you just want to be in his presence? Relational prayer deepens our fellowship with the loving God and our relationship with others at the same time. Because as we get into a deeper relationship with him, we step into others' shoes because we see things as he sees things. And he leads us to people he wants to lead us to. I love this uh, quote from the Irish priest John O'Donoghue. One of the most tender images is the human person at prayer. When the body gathers itself before the divine, and stillness deepens. The blaring din of distraction ceases, and the deeper tranquility within the heart envelops the body. For a while, they have become unmoored from the grip of society, work, and role. How often in our prayers do we rather like we can see Sienna, where you leave work behind to just give her time? Do you leave things behind just for a moment and just give God you? I aspire to that in prayer because I don't want to meet the Lord face to face and for him to say, I don't know you. I want him to say, Tony, I know. The R factor Relational prayer, relationship. Rhythm. This is the second R. Healthy prayer has a rhythm. John Stott once uh, said, The quiet time is like the swing of a pendulum. God speaks to us and we speak to God. And remember that the pendulum helps to keep the clock, helps to make the clock keep time. Prayer should be our spiritual life's heartbeat. It's the Christian's vital breath. It helps us to keep in time with the Lord's will for our lives. John Wesley talked about us breathing in faith and breathing out love, prayer and thanksgiving. 
We're going to sing those Charles Wesley words later. Still let me prove thy perfect will, my acts of faith and love repeat. There is a rhythm to prayer. As we breathe in and we breathe out, we breathe in God's love and we breathe out love. And unless we're breathing in the Holy Spirit in our prayers, if we're just bombarding God, we're wearing ourselves out and we're never truly going to hear what God's got to say to you, to your church, to this nation. Have we got the R factor? A relationship with God, a rhythm with God. And that rhythm might just start with saying, this Lent, I will give you five minutes every morning. Some of you are in another league. And you're already doing that. But if you haven't started, just promise. Five minutes of uninterrupted time. The last thing, reach. You may be going through an awful time. Your life might be a real struggle at the moment. Sometimes life is confusing. We wonder why God doesn't seem to always answer our prayers. Why life is unfair. I want to say to you, reach out to God. Keep reaching out. Extend yourselves in honest prayer to God. Reach out for the more of God. Be totally dependent on Him. Reach out beyond the immediate. Reach out for others in prayer, for those people you're concerned about. Don't just say their name. Reach for them in prayer so that others may find faith and find God meeting them in the quietness. And reach out for the needs of this broken world. St. Paul said, I always pray with joy. It was a joy to pray, but that didn't mean to say he wasn't troubled. Sometimes we just have to know that ultimately God's got things in his hands. But with joy, we must enjoy his love and reach out in his love for the world. Because in Jesus, God reached down to us. He reached out to us. And in our prayers, we need to reach out to God. Sometimes it's reaching down, sometimes it's reaching up. But when we actually enjoy that presence with him, then he tells us to go out and be his love in the world. Make space for God. Confess any sin in your life. Slow down enough to examine your thoughts and your actions. Measure those actions. Mend those broken relationships. Be gracious in forgiveness and patience. Because when we spend time in God's presence, and we lean on Jesus' breast, we hear his heartbeat. And I want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to break you. My ministry has been sustained by praying women. I'm sorry, guys, but it, it has. It is the fact. There have been women who have said to me in my ministry, and I could name a few today, I pray for you. I pray for you. Could you go from this place, women and men, with a commission from me today to be the powerhouse of prayer for the Methodist Church, reaching out to pray for people who are doing things that you can't do, to be tolerant when they don't do it the way you would do it, but actually say, I need these people to succeed for the kingdom. I need them to deepen their faith. 
I need them to be the blessing to the world because I can't always do it myself. St. John of the Cross said, well, he talked about putting love where love is not. Where there is no love, put love, and you will find love. Boy, do we need people who reach out to put love into the world. And if you can't always do it yourself, pray, reach out, pray for somebody who can do that in their daily life. So, I've spoken for too long, the R factor. Could there be something missing? Have you got a relationship with God? Yes, cry out your prayers to him, but first listen. Have you got a rhythm? Breathing in the Holy Spirit, breathing out love into the world. And are you reaching, reaching out for God and for others? I pray that we may remember that Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. When Paul wrote to the Philippians in our reading, uh, Timothy probably was his help, but he was writing in prison. And he doesn't complain about the fact that he's in prison. He doesn't talk about the dingy cell and the rotten food and the way he's been treated. He doesn't moan. He says, it is a joy to pray for my sisters and brothers. And we're going to close with his prayer as his prayer for us today. I dare you, fall in love with Jesus all over again. If your prayer life is flagging, renew it. Not for my sake, but for your sake and for Christ's sake. Amen.